and welcome to Dear Self, a podcast around Asian culture, self-exploration and growing up. Hosted by me, Charlotte Yao, founder of Moihood, a skincare brand rooted in traditional Chinese medicine. In this podcast, I have the pleasure to be speaking to and spotlighting talented Asian voices of the moment. I've got a great guest lined up for you today, but a little warning before the show, we did record this in the corridor of a photo shoot studio. Really not ideal. So please bear with us as you might hear some slight echoing and a few bangs. On today's episode, I'm having a conversation with the amazing Nicole Choi, a London-based embroidery artist whose work is messy, brash and disruptive. Her work is to disrupt perfection and also to encourage people to break boundaries. She was awarded by the Evening Standard as one of their Future Faces 25 and under. And you can also check out her recent work with ESCA Sisters Chosen Family Group show. This was the takeover for the Brightland at Somerset House. In this episode, we talk about the notion of chosen family and who her chosen family is since moving from Hong Kong to the UK. We also dive into how her Hong Kong heritage has helped shape her work today. To kick off, our first question is... What is your ethnicity? So I am Hong Kong Chinese and Malaysian Chinese, but I was born and raised in Hong Kong. When did you come over to the UK? Came over in 2013, so when I just turned 18. Yeah, moved to the uni and then worked and then stayed on ever since. So yeah, it's been nearly 10 years now. Nearly. Yeah, been been here for a while and it's funny to think because it's gone by so fast. It just flies by though, doesn't it? Do you have family here? My sister's here, so all my sisters are here, but my great aunt is actually a investor, but most of my family are back in Hong Kong or Malaysia. Yes. So, yeah, it's just me and my sisters, honestly. Like, we try to spend as much time as we can, even though, so I live with one, for context, I have three younger sisters, and I live with one of them, and then the other two, the youngest two, live together. So I'm the oldest. And then the who's the second one, and then Nadine and Yami live together. So it's like we're never really alone. Our family in the UK, I guess, is small since it's just us basically, but it's nice. Did you ever go back? Before the pandemic, yeah, like every year, but I haven't been back since January 2020, so it's been a while. And that trip was split between Hong Kong and Malaysia, so I went to Kuala Lumpur, which it's kind of where most of like my mom's side of family are based, but before that, the trip like months before was actually gone. I actually went to Sabah, which is where my grandparents live, yeah. um, in a small town called Talao. Yeah. Um, and I really love it. I miss it. I really want to go back soon. Yeah. And when you go back there, what's your favorite thing to do? Definitely food. I think like that is how I center the trips back to Malaysia or back to Hong Kong. Whatever I want to eat, I'd like go to it and make it a mission to like make sure I get there. Um, and also see family, obviously. And also like experiencing actually both those countries as adults rather than like as a kid because it's a whole new experience. And like when you kind of have friends of the same age, you can like see I guess the cities that you grew up in different ways it's really exciting and you almost feel like well I almost feel like a tourist sometimes going back because there's always something new to explore and something new that you discover when you're older that you didn't appreciate when you were younger so totally 
yeah, that's how I felt. Um, but food is definitely the number one on the agenda. Yeah. The question and, and what was your, so you grew up in Hong Kong. What was your childhood like? And how was your transition when you were 18 and you came to the UK? Like, what was that like for you? What was that experience? So my childhood was really um, active. Like, I played loads of sport growing up and I did ballet so I'd say that took up a lot of my time. I grew up in like not the city kind of bit of Hong Kong that most people outside of Hong Kong know the city as. Not mid-levels but I was more towards new territories so it's actually a very nature-filled side which often doesn't get represented in media when people think of Hong Kong but I grew up in that area having the exposure to even monkeys and like the jungle and also because Hong Kong's so small like the city side as well so I've had a bit of both which I really love growing up yeah and it's a relatively small place compared to London but they're both very fast-paced I'd say Hong Kong was probably more fast-paced so when I moved to London it was quite a culture shock in terms of the opening times of places and like the pace of things weren't as fast as I was used to and the way like small things in terms of culture there was like a lot of adjusting to do even the way you spoke English and spoke about like greeting people how you are and talking about the weather I wasn't really used to that and although I grew up speaking English I grew up very much so as a Hong Konger so we're very blunt and very direct and I'm personally not very loud but like I the city is a very loud city so like um yeah, it was just coming to London felt a bit, felt like there was still some adjustments to do, but it was nice to move to another city anyway. My parents spent most of their teenage and young adult life in London, so it's interesting because I feel like we almost switched because they, in their, when they had me, like they moved back, they moved back to Hong Kong to have me, um, or moved back to Asia to have me and all my sisters and start a family, which is something I guess you do in my view, in a later life. And then for me, I like moved here in my younger life. I don't really, I don't know. I, I see myself staying here, but it's like we switched because they moved back and then I moved here. So it's a really interesting experience. But I think by now I've gotten used to being in London. Most of my friends are here, so I consider it home. But Hong Kong will always be home to me. Like, this is the second home, so it's nice. Totally. That led on to certain questions so well because I was like, how do you do find hope? I guess like the joy of being here and having friends here, but also like coming home. It's like you have exactly. two friends. Exactly. Both cater for two different needs, but you feel comfortable. Yeah, definitely. Like I still have family here because it's me and my sisters. Mm -hmm. But honestly, I was thinking about chosen family the other okay. day, and like London really is like all my friends here are my chosen family. Like they're closer than my actual yeah. mum and dad. They get you. Yeah, they like, get you in yeah. a different way. And so I feel like it feels like home when they're here. But also, I can't ignore that I did grow up in Hong Kong, so that will always be cemented in my memory as the place that I called home as a kid. You know, my parents are still there, so going back to them, it's like home in a different way. But yeah, I also consider London honestly like more because like this is where my career is built this is where my sisters are and we're really close all four 
of us. And this is where all my closest friends are and like my community, especially my East Asian and Southeast Asian community is like really tight knit here. So I feel very comfortable and very much I have a place here. Yeah. Which I guess is what you want to feel like when you call somewhere home. Totally. And I love the notion bit by use of like chosen family because I think that is so important and I think lots of people can relate to especially when you've moved abroad and you don't have necessarily your close-knit family that you live with and I think your chosen family that people that understand you and can relate to you I feel like I've had my chosen family through friendships and connections that I've met because I guess growing up you change and I know like sometimes I don't feel like my family can relate to me or definitely but I totally understand how that feels like family especially parents not fully understanding who you are Mm. even to this day I find it very difficult because they'll constantly I don't know it's different for everyone but there's always an element of like your parents not really knowing who you truly are yeah and it's hard to say that out loud but it's just a reality and that's why I feel like London is like my chosen family because they really get who I am. All my friends and even my sisters as well have seen me through ups and downs that maybe my parents kind of like they have a certain expectation or like vision of my life but it's not really like the same as like what I've really been through. So it's hard when there's that in the back of your mind but sometimes it's also okay to accept that. Not everyone's going to get you, you're the only one who can really get yourself and as long as you have people around you who care about you, who know what you've been through, like different types of people, like it's all good. It's whatever you want it to be. Yeah, completely. Yeah, yeah. totally agree. Yeah. And with, I guess, the experiences that you had growing up, because you're an embroidery artist, like has your experiences or your culture or your upbringing shaped the work that you do today? Yes, and... Um, yeah, I do. I do actually reference it, but like, I guess it's, it comes up in like very different ways. Firstly, just being a freelance embroidery artist is not really heard of within the community that I grew up in. And um, freelance is also seen as like not very common in Hong Kong. Amongst the people that I grew up with, I remember someone telling me who was my age when I was a kid, like, I was like, I want to be in fashion, and they're like, you're going to grow up really poor. And I was just like, what the fuck? It's so toxic, but it's like embedded in so much like Hong Kong, like elitism and like, standards of, because education is so prioritized, but in a way that it's seen as like an image almost, mm-hmm. like anything that is outside of the norm is considered not good. Yeah. And so I guess that kind of, grit that I've developed from it has influenced me to really make myself, make my career what I want it to be and just like my parents have been really supportive but also obviously like I said before they'll not really get the full extent of what you do if it's something out of the norm um, or what you kind of know so my mom and dad kind of grew up in very stand kind of roles like they weren't in anything creative like I knew nobody in the creative industry growing up. So going into this was already a gamble, but for them to allow me to do that, I'm really grateful. But society around that wasn't really, wasn't really welcoming of it in a sense that they always say only a certain type of person can do that in a way that 
only like a rich person could achieve like being an artist but there's so many different avenues of how you can make money and I don't know I just wanted to break that mm. ideology and just be you know you know nobody in the industry like parents you know nobody as well they were shit scared as well mm. letting me go through it I just decided to make it happen despite people constantly saying no but how it feeds into my work is also I guess being really loud with all the colors and all the visual themes that I work with always have something to do with power. I guess similar to how I want to take back my own power and creating my own career path, I always feel like art has been a vessel of letting my loudest voice be expressed in words that maybe I can't say out loud in a conversation. So I'd say that's probably how, like that emotion of like not feeling kind of accepted or not it being the norm in like society just kind of drove me to really create things that were loud and proud of like who I was, where I come from and also things that I stand for because I was really scared to voice my own opinion growing up. I remember being that kid who was really scared to raise a hand and just like not want to be too opinionated. I was always told, even by my mom at one point, like to be a bit more humble and I think as women we're told that a lot but my work is like a way to kind of foster that in like a loud and expressive voice and I just want to get rid of taboos and be unashamed about it and yeah, yeah that does stem from my childhood and it stems from growing up in Hong Kong and I guess anybody's childhood could be like that but that's how I bring my experience into the artwork. It's more of an emotional thing rather than a visual motif. Mm -hmm. uh, I think this is something that I've tried to challenge myself doing because especially with like, we have so many beautiful visual motifs in Chinese culture specifically and even Malaysian culture as well. But sometimes the best things that are the most personal to you are also still like representative of your culture in some way. Like it doesn't always have to be Although I love dragons, it doesn't always have to be like a picture of a dragon. Yeah, you know, like stereotypical, beautiful visual motifs, but they can also be very personal to your experience growing up somewhere or even in like, for you, a British Chinese family in Stratford, like that's still part of your culture and what you're doing with Moyhood is you fostering that into this era and your adult life. But yeah, I guess like all my ways of bringing my culture into like my artwork is through the emotion and like talking about the experience of growing up and the grit of the hustle culture of Hong Kong, like bringing all that tension and letting it go into all the embroidered messes that I make. Yeah, I love that. And like you said, it is that determination and grit and blocking that hierarchy, that standard of in order to be successful, you need to be academic. Or you yeah. need to have certain titles, right? Definitely. And I think breaking past that, and I think with everyone that I'm talking to today, like I'm inspired by like each of our stories and our journeys because we're carving a new path. Young aging creators will feel like if I don't get the best grades ever, I'm gonna fail. Yeah. Like, you know, and it's like, that's what I really felt growing up. Like I really thought I was gonna fail because. Mm -hmm. I wasn't top in class or like I wasn't allowed to do BTEC because like they thought my parents were like, oh, IB or a certain, you know, system would get me to 
a better education school, but it's like, I want to show that it's not the only way to really make who you are, and success is not an image, it's just even doing what you genuinely want to do, regardless of where you're at in life, even waking up can be a success, I don't know. Oh, a hundred percent. Waking up is definitely a success. Yeah. Like, like, we're breaking down, we're changing what it means. But I think especially in our culture, it's so embedded that it's like always related to money and like, mm. well, I love money and it is important in order to survive. Like, it can really, I've seen what it does to some people and it can really screw up your life. Completely. But yeah, there's a lot of new ways that we're fostering like a healthier relationship with like success. And that's bringing our culture into a new era. I love being Chinese people, even though we grew up in different areas, we still have the same struggle and like the same interactions we have with our parents or like family or community around us. So I love having this conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And even what you just said, I'm going through that navigating. I can't just align success with money because it's like something that's been ingrained in me since I was a kid and it's like I'm trying to now really detach and let go of this notion that your finances define your success yeah and also the other things that come with like the finances like when you hear about people buying homes or all of that that's not the only thing that success is we need to think about it in smaller ways in life in order to be healthier with our relationship with it rather than the big things that let's be real not everyone's going to achieve and it's like okay that way just accepting the the falls as well talking about talking about our failures is taboo in our culture too like saving face is like massive and i see it through so many families that i grew up with who are so concerned by it but like it can really jade your perspective on like life and prevent you from actually learning important lessons Our closing question would be around self-care because at Moorhead we do believe in taking time to look after yourself and I think it's important to know that self-care isn't always to do with buying a product. It could be rituals, for example, for me it's in the morning taking some time out for me to light an incense and just, you know, just grounding myself. So I would love to know what act of self-care makes you feel good yeah watering my plants now i used to be very bad at like taking care of plants and i'm still trying to get better but i do really love watering my plants even taking out the trash um that's self-care for me like yeah. just cleaning i Honestly. love doing the wash not the washing like washing dishes but you know laundry yeah, yeah. laundry's great i did a whole batch yesterday and i felt so satisfying in the heat like just getting it all done yeah. and taking off i don't know just small things like that, even arranging the cutlery in like my drawer yes. just gives me life. It's satisfying and it makes me feel better because I do notice that when I don't actively like do things like that, even from cleaning, from scrubbing like the glass on like the shower bit um, or like squeegeeing the shower or even cleaning my toilet bowl, like I don't feel good. Um, I just, it feels like I need to cleanse my place. Yeah. In order to cleanse me, yeah, yeah, my mind. Yeah. Um, so that's my act of self care. In addition to that, I love lighting a candle and I do love spraying perfume on me. So, yeah, those are, those are great, great things. Perfect. I'm making a coffee in the morning. Yeah. This has been perfect. I feel so wholesome. Thank you.
love chatting to you. You always. I think it's so great what you're doing. Thanks for inviting me. This is really lovely. You can find me on Instagram at that's so minimal. So T H A T S E W S E L. And you can also find me on my website, which is just nicoleandfortune.com. Thanks so much, girl.